it's an opportunity right now. I just got a notification. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity and let's see what happens. Let's see how this plays out. Okay. I'm about to do a reading for Pisces, sun, moon, rising, and Venus. Also for your cross watchers. Also for those of us who find ourselves on this channel without any Pisces and anything, you know, it's, it's all good. You're probably an empath. You're probably an empath. You're probably needing messages from your soul. And I'm here to deliver. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here to deliver. It's going to be okay. All right. First and foremost, let's get some cards. I asked what this reading was going to be about, and I was told something specific. You want to know what I was told? I'm going to show you. Let me give me one second. So much is being tried to test how strong you are. Mm hmm. Let me just start shuffling. See? Mm hmm. Let me start shuffling. Just gonna start shuffling. Okay. All right. I think this is going to be like super de duper intense. Okay, let's really set the mood. Let's really set the mood right now. Okay, hold up. Hold up. Shabam. <laughs> there it is. Okay. There it is. So for those who are watching or listening via podcast, I just turned on a lot of mood lights. I'm now pushing up my sleeves. It's about to get grimy up in here. Not super grimy. Okay. I don't like it filthy. <laughs> I don't like things filthy. So just kind of semi a little bit faux, faux grimy. Let's just call it intense. Let's just call it intense, okay? I don't like grimy, you know? It's just, mm. uh, okay. Let's make this a good one. Let's make this count. Let's, okay, so there's three right here. Let's pull. So something, someone is trying to test you, okay? First and foremost, yo, anyone that tries to test you does not deserve your time or your attention. Don't give them no attention. Let them keep trying without you paying attention. Like, no, I'm not going to give you attention. Are you kidding me? No, no. You can just keep being ignored. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's how, you know, unless there's like legalities that need to be taken care of. I would just ignore them. I'd be like, F this, F this. Okay, let's get started. Ooh, right from the start. Card number 23, defend to the end the worthwhile. Oh my gosh. So there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on, um, probably within your life, probably within the world, probably within creation itself. There's just a lot of stuff going on, okay? You have to be willing to defend to the end the worthwhile. You're worth it. You're worth it. If if there's some sort of actual like response that's being needed, 
then respond. But if you're just going to respond, just like, oh, you can't, you, you can't talk to me like that. You can't address me like that. You can't this, you can't that. Um, yeah, they don't care. <laughs> Whoever this is, it's, it's almost a sense of like, they don't have respect for you anyways. So, you know, why bother? Why bother having civilized conversations? Why bother wasting your time and your energy on someone or something that just really is not worth your time? If you have determined that something is not worth your time, don't spend any time on it. Don't, don't allow yourself to fixate on it. Don't allow yourself to become like overly concerned about this or that, you know? Okay. It's going to unfreeze now. Did I, is I, am I still frozen? Huh? All right. I just had to sing a little bit of Elsa. I said, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> YouTube's being a bitch. <laughs> so I was saying, you feel, you know, I'm wondering if this is someone that you have given some time and attention to. And, you know, for the most part, they don't really give you the time, attention and, and things that you need until you're ready to move on. And then they want to give you the time and the attention and the whatever else is the whatever else, you know, like, I don't think, I don't think I'm okay with that. <laughs> I think that I'm not okay with that. Yeah. I think I'm not okay with that. I'm wondering if you're okay with that. Are you okay with that? Are you all right? If you're not okay with that, then that shouldn't be something that you should be allow allowing to continue. You know what I mean? You feel and you know where you are in this person's list of priorities. Are you even on that list? Is this reading about... Is this reading about um, someone that... Someone that you're you're romantic with, someone that you're, you know, feeling like you're in love with them. Unrequited love is the most painful type of love. You know, I mean, maybe you guys can help me learn something right now. I don't think I've ever had unrequited love. Not because, you know, I'm the ish, <laughs> not because I'm the ish, um, not because like everybody wants me in love. No, 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 no. I'm kind of just of the mindset where it's like, if you don't make it clear to me that you want me around, if you don't make sure that I know that you are interested in me in that way, well, I'm just not going to stick around. <laughs> you know, I just, I've, I've never been one to like chase after or, or, or any of that. So I, I don't, I don't really get it. I don't get how people can continue and, and try and be around someone who doesn't want them and, and cherish them. Now let's be clear. <laughs> I have not had many boyfriends, okay? <laughs> um, I, I just, I haven't. I'm a very 
elusive, exclusive type of critter. Um, you know, so it's kind of like this thing of unless unless it's clear to me, like I really have no problem being single. I really have no problem being alone. I have no problem leaving you alone. So don't play games. And I think that's part of the reason why I... I am deficient in those types of, of experiences, you know? So I don't understand what it's like to want someone in that way and to continue to try and try and try. And, and, and I don't know the mindset. I don't know the thought processes that, that someone would go through that would cause them to continue to stay in a situation where they don't even know if they're wanted there, you know? So part of the reason I'm sharing this, well, the reason I'm sharing this, not part of, but the reason, I don't know how to properly advise you. Like, I don't understand it. If, like, if, if, if this is resonating with you, and you're sticking around and this is like, it feels like the situation is what you're living through. Please comment. Why are you sticking around? And I'm not asking that in some sort of like, um, just, I, I don't, I forget the term. <laughs> I forget the term right now. Um, and I'm not asking a rhetorical question. It's a genuine question. Like what causes you to stay and hope and pray and wish that that things will will kind of turn in your favor cuz i'm trying to understand so that i can better um better calibrate how this message goes okay cuz i'm over here like i, I what <laughs> why would you stay if if you don't know if they like you if you don't know if they love you I mean, why would you stay? Why would you keep trying? Why would you keep waiting? Um, I don't know. I don't know. For real. <laughs> oh, good God. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> if I rule the world. I free all my sons. I love them, love them, baby. Black diamonds and pearls. <laughs> if I rule the world. If I rule the world, <laughs> I would banish all of these labels that we affix on other people. Because I couldn't understand why someone would just sit around and wait and wait and and allow themselves and their existence to, to basically go stagnant and, and be disregarded and still yet wait and wait and wait. And I was asking you guys to help me understand. And then I was like, okay, so no one wants to tell me. Uh, and so I pulled another card and it's, it's the power of attraction card, AKA the twin flame card. Is that what it is? Is that what it is? You think this is some sort of like soul-based connection and that's why mm, general rule of thumb for everybody in your life. If you wouldn't let a stranger do it to you, the people who claim to love you 
should never even consider it. My thoughts on the whole twin thing is that if you really are my twin, I hold you to an even higher standard than I would other people. If you want the honor of that title of like being my perfect mirror, then you have to understand me to a degree that no one else understands me. And yes, I am a very complex person. It's very difficult to understand me. I am not an easy person to be in a relationship with because I won't communicate what you're doing to upset me. You just got to know, mofo. You just got to know. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you I'm hungry. You just got to pay attention. Like, do she look like she about to pass out? Is she tossing attitude? Mm-hmm. Baby, you got to be fed. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's very difficult to be in a relationship with me. And if you want to affix that title over yourself, you better know me inside and out before you even say hello. Mm-hmm. I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. Not at all. We give these titles to people who don't put the effort into deserving titles such as twin. They don't put the effort into it, yet you give it to them that freely. Why? It's just like the, the whole trust thing. You have to just trust someone. And if you don't blindly trust a complete stranger who has never earned your trust before, who has never um, given you any type of indication, not just words, but actions, observable experiences, They've never given you any indication that they're worthy of your trust. But if you don't trust them, you're the broken one. <laughs> you're the one with issues. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I got issues. You got them too. Give me all of yours and I'll give mine to you. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, no, seriously, everyone has some sort of issue. Is it an issue or is it an opportunity to learn, to expand your understanding of yourself and your life? I used to think I had trust issues. Now I know I didn't have trust issues. I just read energy really, really well. My earlier life experiences helped to develop sensitivities to people's intentions, their moods, um, unspoken things. I'm highly sensitive to that. I'm an empath. Mm -hmm. It's not a superpower. I'm an empath because of the trauma that I've sustained throughout my lifetime. Each time I'm traumatized, my ability to read someone's intentions, their energy, the things that they don't say out loud, it becomes more sensitized. I become even more adept at reading someone. So with that being said, it's time for me to just like publicly share. I don't have trust issues. I have damn good intuition is what it is. I don't know why I shouldn't trust you. Then I shouldn't trust you. 
that's not me accusing you of being a bad person. That's me listening to my intuitive guidance. This part of me and my soul that tells me, you, my dear, are not safe for me to be around. Why? I don't want to know. All I need to know is I don't feel like I am safe with you. Whether it's physically, emotionally, socially, financially, I deserve to live, exist, be surrounded by things that make me feel safe. All the young people, all the young people like, oh, I'm going to decide the opposite of this because I can't live a safe life. I have to be young, wild, and free. <laughs> you can be wild and safe. I, I still am categorized by quite a few people as like a, a wild woman. Like you just really cannot predict what I will say or do. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of like a whirlwind. I just like, you know, I just kind of spin around like a little tornado everywhere I go. And just, you know, like Tasmanian devil style, like <laughs> just like that, just and then and then I'm out. But I'm still safe as I spin around and 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 have my chaotic ways. I'm still safe about it. Why? Because that's what I deserve. Are you kidding me? What do you mean? Why? That's what I deserve. I deserve to be a totality. A totality. You know what that means? I can be all my parts all at the same time. I don't have to pick and choose what's okay. I think Pisceans especially, because this is for Pisceans and empaths, right? But I think for Pisceans especially, there's this thing where you are such a complex person, so simple in your complexity, that what ends up happening is um, you're made to feel as though you can only be one thing. So for whatever group that's in front of you at that moment, you will be whatever it is that's necessary to assimilate into that group. So you don't stick out like a sore thumb and you don't get accused of making waves, right? So then you go into a different environment that has a different expectation and you fill that role because it's different now. So you, now you have to be different. And when people see you so adept at fulfilling their expectations of you, what happens? They then accuse you of being fake. They then say, oh, you always wear a mask. You never show people who you really are. Have you ever let me? Have you ever invited me to show you who I really am? Yeah, no, we always try and talk to you. You're just being fake. No, no, no. You talk to me, but you haven't ever let me be who I am. What do I mean by that? I have to feel safe before I allow my flowers to bloom. Have you ever made me feel safe in your presence? Is there a sense of 
I can say or do whatever's in my heart in front of you. And I don't have to be afraid that you'll see me as weird, that you'll ostracize me, that I'll be excommunicated, that you'll be so ashamed of me, that you won't want anyone to know that you know me. Most empaths don't feel safe in the environment they're in. Most of us don't. Most of us will spend a large portion of our lives trying to find that space where we can feel like we're finally home. And I think that's part of why we try and be home for every single person we come across, every single person who hurts like a perfect reflection of a part of us that we can't allow other people to see. We take them in, we exist as home for them and then release them back into the wild when they've had enough of us, when they no longer need us. That's sad, isn't it? That's sad. You know why that's sad? Not because like, oh, you did all of this for them and you did all of that for them and they just left you anyways. They just, no, not sad because of that. They didn't abandon you. They didn't. They, they have their own journey. It's sad because we do for others all the things we should be doing for ourselves. All the ways in which I used to overgive to other people just wishing someone would overgive to me, not necessarily material things. It's still very uncomfortable for me to receive material gifts, monetary gifts. Like it's very uncomfortable for me. Why do you think I don't post any donation links or anything like that? Like aside from my brothers, I just don't do that. It's uncomfortable. Why? It's hard for me to receive. It's hard for me to receive something from someone else simply because for the most part, of course, there's exceptions to this, but for the most part, what I've learned in life is that when someone gives something to me, they absolutely want something in return. Oftentimes, what they want in return far outweighs what they actually gave. So I learned, no, I'm not going to receive things from people. I'm not going to connect with you. I'm not just going to openly trust you. I'm not going to this. I'm not going to that. And all of these things that I'm saying are trauma responses. And that's fine and dandy because those trauma responses are the very responses that once upon a time kept you alive, kept you going, kept you safe kept you out of harm's way once upon a time. Yes, that's what those things did for you. That's not your whole life, though. You can't live your entire life like it's just one big, never-ending string of traumas. Because if that's how you choose to live, that's what your life will be. 
So one day I woke up and I found all these trauma responses that once upon a time kept me safe, kept me alive, uh, literally, um, became the prison. The prison for my heart, the prison for my mind. Mental shackles are one hell of a thing. You ever seen like Western movies where they take the horse, they bring it to like some sapling or some like random thing, <laughs> something that, you know, if that horse really did not want to be there, I mean, it could easily release itself from that. Yet it doesn't because of the mental shackles. Mental shackles are one hell of a prison. You carry it with you so silently, so silently. Maybe it's time for you to rattle the bars. I know for me, a lot of why I trigger people is because I stand there with a little pan, just freaking rattling it all over those bars to your mental prison. It's a very disconcerting thing for people to hear um, something that shines a light on the type of lie they've been telling themselves. It doesn't mean you're a liar. It means you're participating in a program that requires you lie to yourself in order to be a part of it. It doesn't mean you're a liar. It doesn't mean that you're incapable of recognizing or telling truth. It means you don't know what the truth is yet. Am I saying I know the truth? Not at all. So then what am I saying? That you know the truth. You know what your truth is. You know what your truth is. You know what you've lived through. You know what you're currently living through. You know how your life has shaped you, what your triggers are, how you've been hurt, disappointed, betrayed. You know all of these things. You know exactly what you need to do. See, not knowing what to do and knowing what to do, but being afraid to choose what you know is right for you. They're two different things. They go in two different directions. What I found is most people already know what they need to do. They already know what the right decision is for themselves in their life, right? They ask me questions to kind of reaffirm what they've already known they need to do. Why is that? Oftentimes, when people ask me for advice, it's because they know what they need, but they're afraid to choose it. So if someone else says it and they do it and then it fails, they don't have to take accountability for it. Well, because Emmy told me to. <laughs> yes. I've seen this play out so many different times. So many different times. I think the most powerful thing is to just decide something, allow it to play out, 
take ownership of the results. And if it's a result that you don't like, try again, do something different. If it's a result that you do like, smile. Enjoy the fruits of your labor. And leave it at that. No one expects you to know how to do your entire life. You're a manual that's being written with every event that you live. You have to live through it first before you can know how to get through it. Card number one, after the storm. Someone is going through a storm. Someone is going through something a lot. Very excessive. Hold up. Is that someone you or is that someone like an individual that you have a connection with? Let me see. Okay. So power of attraction, she feels, she knows. And then, okay. So card number 13, power of attraction, one plus three is four. Okay. And then you have card number 22, she feels, she knows. Two plus two is four. These are reflections of each other. I think what this is telling me is that you and someone else already understand the gravity. Like you have a full understanding of the gravity of each other's proximity. But it's like there's this denial going on. Are y'all playing a game with each other? I promise you, if you're playing a game with each other, you're both going to hurt. <laughs> I don't know why I find that funny. Nervous laughter. Nervous laughter. Uh, no joke, though. You're both going to hurt. You're both going to go through more of the same caca that you've been already living through. If that's what you want, I mean, some of us are just masochistic. <laughs> so I don't know. Michael says, but do you not know? Listen. I don't know. I literally don't know. Whew. Okay. Oh, hallelujah. Da, 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 da. Okay. So <laughs> card number 38, three is a solid foundation. Eight is a number of unification, reunification, bifurcation, <gasps> separation. The paths have split. Who's this path with? Who is this path with? A path has split. And um, whatever this pathway is, it's taking two in separate directions. But here's the thing. It's like, okay, so I set the cards down, right? And this is what it looked like set down. Someone is just so hurting and they're looking at you, watching you, watching you. You're over here in your shell and they're over there watching you. See, I'm telling you, you're both hurting. Look at this. The masculine is watching the feminine. And the feminine's kind of just curled up in a ball, ignoring all the messages, 
ignoring all of the messages, all of those shells in that image represent messages that have been unanswered, unheard. <sighs> man, oh man, she is naked in her truth, put in a fetal position. Look at that red out her back. She got backstabbed. Is, is it like she feels like you stabbed her in the back with your departure? I heard abrupt departure. Did someone just ghost you? I have a solution for people who ghost you. You want to hear it? Put them in. <laughs> if someone ghosts you, have a little memorial and carry on. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Seriously. If someone ghosts you, they want to play Casper in your life. You know, just toodles. <laughs> a toodles. Okay. Mm-hmm. Card number 11, Diving for Light. It's almost a sense, like I, I get this imagery in my head of where where one ocean meets another ocean. It's like this video that I saw in the past a while back and the ocean water doesn't mix. I think it's where the Pacific meets the Atlantic. Um, the ocean water does not mix. There's literally a line that's not crossed by the two different waters or two different colors even. Um, and it's like this sense of, um, because I think it's near there or maybe it's just in the same video that I watched a long time ago. Uh, it was this visual of like an island, like a small island made of trash. Did their life become trash in their eyes? That's like harsh. That's a harsh, that's a very, very harsh description of someone's life. Even for me, being as blunt as I am, that's harsh. That kind of hurt my feelings. I mean... I know for sure my life ain't trash, but it's this thing of like, for someone, this message of someone thinks their life has gone to trash, like it's so polluted, but with other people's thoughts, what's it polluted with? Other people's opinions. I think this is someone who has had to listen to everyone chime in on how their life should be, what decisions they should make. Are you just a horse? Horse, like like the animal, not not poor. <laughs> Are you like a horse in your environment, like a pack mule? People just keep packing things and packing things onto your back. And then they feel like they can just take your lead or halter or whatever the heck it's called. And, you know, wrap it a couple times on like a camping chair, a lightweight camping chair. And they know you won't ever actually leave. Ooh, someone's put you in some sort of mental prison. Whoever this message is for, someone has put you in some sort of mental prison. I feel like you need to just wild out. <laughs> I feel like you need to just like 
go buck and bronco. You know what I'm saying? Just buck and bronco. Just start bucking the heck out of the place. I feel like that's what needs to happen. But, you know, I'm kind of extra right now because you planetary stuff. And because I have an attitude naturally. <laughs> so I don't, you might not want to take my advice and, and wild out. But you definitely should hear if this is resonating with you. This is something that you need to really begin addressing. It's not going to get better. It's not going to go away. When people get too accustomed to treating you however the hell they please, that's not good. That's just not good. I promise you, it's not good. It's, it's not good. It always creates problems. And then when you finally had enough, then they'll be like, I don't understand where this is even coming from. You don't understand that you have totally taken advantage of all sorts of different things when it comes to me and you don't understand where this is coming from. Well, here's, here's the thing. How will they understand where it's coming from when you are so good at being overly accommodating? For some people, yes, they're completely disregarding it. It should be common sense. There's no way they didn't know. But for most people, there was no way they were going to know. You were too good at hiding how hard it was making your life. You were just too good. There was no way they were going to know. And unfortunately, because you kept it in for so long, it came out with a little bit more venom than, when, than what you're accustomed to, than what you wanted. But something needed to be said. Okay? It takes a strong person to be able to have that kind of like blow up and, and, and still be able to like talk it through afterwards. Are you guys the type of person where the moment um, you're done with the blow up. You guys can talk about it and, you know, work through it. Cause I'm totally the kind of person, like the moment you make me feel weird and awkward, it's really hard to recover from that. So not joking. It's really, really hard for me to recover from that. It's damn near impossible for me. I'll just forever be weird and extra awkward in your presence. Cause I'm always going to be like, are you going to do that again? I don't know if you're going to do that again. Are you going to, are they going to do that again? <laughs> you know, I'm always going to wonder that. So I'm wondering if, if someone had a blow up with you or maybe they ghosted you, they made you feel unsafe in some way. And part of what you're needing to work through is getting past that, past that event of whatever happened that made you feel less than. Is that the trauma response in question right now? Someone made you feel less than unintentionally, but you totally took it to heart and, and, and now you just won't let it go. You won't let it out. I don't know. Card number 30, perfection of your life. You keep going round and round in circles. I don't know which one of you is going round and round in circles, but someone is just, it's like you're on a freaking hamster wheel and part of that hamster wheel is on fire. You have to get off that wheel. You're not making any progress. You're not actually moving forward or anywhere. You're just literally in place, using up your energy. Card number 16, 
what you want wants you. See, now that, that's a circular type motion, but it's like a concentric circle. It keeps tightening and rising as well as lowering. That's a crystic spiral. That's movement. And each level that you rise, there's a pearl of wisdom attached to it. What you want wants you. If you want to heal, if you want a different life, you have to get off that hamster wheel. Just thinking about the same things day in and day out, yes, it's understandable. It really truly is. But just because it's understandable does not mean it's acceptable. It does not mean that it's okay for you to imprison yourself in the same cycles for years on end. I don't know if it's been years, but it's feeling like it's been a while. Um, okay, so Michael said two things, which are kind of weird. I don't know if he was talking to me or to someone else. He says, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn, Marlene said something and then now I don't know. I don't remember what Michael said. Oh my God. I'm sorry, you guys. I don't know what Michael said. <laughs> Michael, can you say it again, please? It gave me the sense. I don't, I don't remember what it is now, but it gave me this sense of like sometimes your body because becomes so accustomed to what it is you're doing, the task at hand, that it becomes habit. And it's a very disconcerting thing to get off the wheel. It's like when you have been running on a treadmill for a prolonged period. For me personally, when I, when I used to go to the gym regularly, um, I would stay on the elliptical for like hour and a half, two hours. And um, when I get off, it's like my legs and my inner ears still feel as though I'm on the treadmill and I have to just stand on solid ground and hold on to the rails while I recalibrate myself. And it's kind of like that. Like, are you afraid to get off of that hamster wheel because you don't have something solid, something anchored to hold on to? It, it is a lot going on over here, Universal D. So there's Michael, there's Marlene, and then there's just someone new all of a sudden. I'm like, don't even introduce yourself to me. I don't even want Michael here. I don't even want Michael here. Yo, this ain't no party line. Everybody out. This is not no party line. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Okay. Three of spring, plan your next steps with an eye to the long term. Have patience. There are more good things to come. Satisfaction from a job well done. Ooh. Ooh. So someone has grown their wings, right? Someone has grown their wings. And they're preparing to fly. And it's like, you know... They have all these components that are necessary, all the necessary equipment and components and all of that 
but they're not taking flight yet. It's, it's almost like they're idle. They, it's like they're still trying to decide which way to go. If they should fly towards you or they should fly away. Is this someone from your past coming back? Hold on. Let me just look at the other cards already. So ten of autumn. Take steps to ensure the financial security of your children or other loved ones. Making wise investments or planning for retirement. Honoring family traditions. Okay. So it's the sense of like they're trying to be responsible in the way that they proceed. I hear... You're just such a wild card. Hold up. Who the hell is here? Who in the heck? Who the hell? Who the hell is here? Um, for real, who's here? There's a third. A third. It's not a counterpart because they're not in my field. It's this sense of they're, they're trying, whoever this reading is about for you, they're trying to make sure that they do the right thing. They have so many people, again, in their ear. It's just too many people. One of the things, like, you know, when I have really good friends who come to me and they're going through things and I'm I'm just kind of listening, right? Um, and then they start telling me, like, Oh, this person said that. And then, okay. And then this other person is pissed off because they felt this and blah, 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 blah. And all of these different things. And it's kind of like, wait, 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 wait. Why are all of these people telling you how to live? Why are all these people all up in your head and putting in your head like what you're supposed to decide, what's the right decision. And none of them agree with each other. So then comes this thing of like, Emmy, what should I do? Um, first and foremost, um, what you should do is uh, stop listening to everybody. Start listening to yourself. Start letting people know when they've crossed the line and have gone too far into your business. You need to decide things for yourself. You should not have like four, five, six, seven, nine, twenty people in your life trying to dictate to you what you need to do. If you're having a hard time making decisions for yourself, it's not going to be easier the more people you involve. It's just going to get that much harder. I promise you. It's just going to get that much harder because then it becomes this thing of like, why are you listening to them instead of to me? Like, I know better. Even if they've been through the exact thing that you are going through right now, they don't know better than you know for yourself. I really truly mean that. They don't know better than what you know for yourself. You know yourself better than they do. They know you to a certain degree. But let's face it, Pisces, empaths, how many people do you really let in to the degree that 
they actually really, truly, fully, fully know you? How many people? You know what my doctor said to me when she was first doing all my intake stuff? She's asking me all these questions. Um, I'm absolutely open about the mental health struggle that I had over the summer. I went through depression and a few other different things were going on. And it was really, really difficult for me to cope. And so I did what was responsibly um, proper for me. I sought mental health help. There's nothing wrong with that. You cannot just say, oh, you're just ascending. Oh, you're just this. Oh, you're just that. Mm -mm. No. People don't get to tell you how to take care of yourself. So I made a decision. And I went and sought mental health assistance. And as my doctor, um, as my provider was doing all of my intakes, um, she was asking about all the people that's in my life. And I'm like, I don't really keep too many people in my life. Um, I know a lot of people, but I don't really, you know, I don't socialize with many people privately or anything like that. And um, she began asking about my, my marriage and what my husband thought about what's going on. And I had told her, like, my husband is like, something's wrong <laughs> because people don't get to you this way. Like, you don't, you know, this is not normal for you. And then she asked me, how long have you been with your husband? And I said, we've been married for 20 years. And, you know, we've been together over 20, if you include all the dating. And she goes, okay, so, so then he should know you by then. <laughs> She's, he should know you by then. And it's not that I hide things from my husband. It's that there's so much about the way I perceive things that I just don't share with anyone. I just don't share it with anyone. And my husband and I have been like inseparable for so long, literally half my life. Um, actually, I think it's more than half my life at this point, um, that even if I'm not vocalizing what exactly is going on in this little monkey mind of mine, he already knows, like, oh, there she goes. She's overthinking again. <laughs> we got to break that cycle. I got to distract her with something else. Mm -hmm. But does he actually know what's what's like running through my head? I often just keep my my internal conversations internal so if someone who literally we work together we live together like we're always together um if i can't even find the courage within myself to say those things if someone that i barely know i'm not going to tell you that I'm just not going to tell you these things. So if I'm not going to tell you everything that's going on in my head, how can you actually properly, like, quote unquote, advise me? Do I even need you to advise me? Or are, are you simply the person that I'm choosing to vent a small portion of my life to? No matter how close you are to someone, do you tell them everything? I mean, everything. Down to like, and this is TMI, but like describing bowel movements, the frequency of how often you go, like, you know, 
Because that can be affecting your mood. That can affect your perception. Do you tell them that too? Or are they factoring that in as they're advising you? And then secondly, if they advise you wrong, who has to deal with the consequences of that? Who has to deal with that? You do. So it's best if you just take all of your power back, all of this power that you're trying to hand out to other people so that, you know, you don't have to um, be the only one that takes responsibility for the decisions you make. Um, take that back and actually make decisions for yourself. Really pause. The people who you know you can trust, you can get their input. Okay, like I, ha I have a couple of friends who I really, truly trust. I trust them completely, wholeheartedly. And I can share with them the tidbits that I need to vent. And they can advise me. They can, you know, just quietly listen, whatever it is. I know that whatever it is, it's never ego-based for them. And it's always just, how can I support you right now? So I know that's a very healthy friendship. Is that how your friendship is? Or are you being advised by a person who uses you and your struggles to make them feel as though they have their life together? Because there, there's people like that who they love to have you go to them to vent, to kind of, you know, bounce ideas off of, not necessarily because they want to help you, but because it makes their egos feel really, really good that someone that they can see as powerful is going to them for advice. At which point that's very ego-based, you know, like, do you want to get advice from someone who functions in that way very covertly? And they're not telling you this, right? I wouldn't trust someone that if I felt that coming from them, I would not trust them. I would not give them any information about me or my life or my journey or my struggles or any of that. And for those who are like, well, Emmy, you're, you're basically live streaming every single day and you're telling us all of this stuff. Yeah, stuff that I don't feel I have to guard. Stuff that I... What are you going to do? Use against me what I'm already sharing with you? You're going to launch some sort of public campaign to embarrass me because I publicly shared I have mental health struggles at times? That You, you think I'm going to be embarrassed by that? I mean, I already said it out loud. I'm the one who shared it publicly. Why would I be embarrassed about that? My life and the details of my life, I don't do anything that I would need to hide. Where I'm like, oh my God, no one can find out. I'm going to be so embarrassed if people find out. No, I'm a real living, breathing human being. Y'all, I pass gas. I burp. Mm -hmm. if, if one of my glutes is a little bit itchy, I'm going to scratch it. <laughs> I am a living, breathing human being. I don't need to play some role. Do you know how powerful it is to be able to be just a real person? 
a real person. Like, I'm not scared to eat in front of you. I, I eat large portions. Oftentimes when people see me eat, they're like, how the hell did you fit all that food inside you? <laughs> this is none of your business. <laughs> I'm not paying attention to how much you eat. Stop paying attention to me like that. You know, just really being unapologetic about who you are, especially if who you are is not designed or calculated to offend people. Get out of that mindset. This is the period where so many things, so many situations, so many people, so many challenges, so many adversaries are being brought to you to test how much you own yourself in your life. How much do you own yourself? How much do you own your life? Do you take ownership of everything you say and do? You know? Do you really truly own your life? Have you allowed yourself to exit out of that place of shame, guilt, social anxiety because you don't know if, you know? I have social anxiety. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very aware of how socially awkward I am in real life. Like people think they watch my live streams. They think I'm like super social and that I would be so fun to be hanging around with all day. <laughs> I'm so socially awkward. I don't seem awkward right now. Well, not as awkward right now because I'm all by myself in a room talking to my little green dot on my camera, on my laptop. Surprise! <laughs> you know, people who have, people who have gone to, um, people who have gone to like my, the few retreats that I've had, in-person retreats, <laughs> y'all be knowing <laughs> I'm awkward. It's okay. I used to be so like devastatingly ashamed because I could tell people had a perception, this expectation of who I'm supposed to be, how I'm supposed to carry myself, especially when I was a lot younger. When I was a lot younger, I was extremely, extremely unsure of my place in the world. My skin wasn't light enough. Mm -hmm. I had a really round face. I still do. Mm -hmm. My eyes weren't big enough. My lashes weren't long enough. All of these different things of how I'm not like other people. I'm not supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be. All the things that I thought were shortcomings when I was a lot younger, the things that I would like try and hide, like, oh my goodness, people can't ever find this out. Oh my God, I got a little pooch. I got a little bit belly pooch. It's not completely flat. Oh my God. Oh, I just I just have a line. I don't have the horizontal lines for a six pack. <laughs> Fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> Oh my God, all of these different things that I used to tell myself was reason 
why I would not be enough. Failing to understand the gravity of what I was doing to myself. Here's the reality of my young adulthood. I would take between two to three hours to get ready just to go to the grocery store, just to go to school, just to get gas, just to, you know, anytime I'm going to have to leave my house, at least two to three hours, my hair was ridiculously thick. Like people would always ask me, oh my God, where do you get your weave at? Like motherfuckers, this is my hair. <laughs> it was seriously thick and it was down past my butt. Okay. My hair has texture to it. So it's crazy. It would take me at least an hour to blow dry my hair. That doesn't include the time that it takes to straighten it because I mean, heaven forbid you see any of that texture. Heaven forbid the little ringlets around my hairline remain there. And then of course I would have to do my makeup. I would take forever just doing the mascara because I mean, heaven forbid my lashes don't look lush. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I would have to get my outfit and it was just insanity, insanity. Like looking back, like really girl, really, really the bra had to match the panty. People are not even going to see that. Who cares? Who cares? Seriously, who cares? And I felt like I had to play that role. And then when I go out, I have to be very careful about what I say because if I'm heaven forbid, I, I offend anyone. I'm not good at reading social cues. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not. It's true. Um, I'm pretty sure if, if I was officially assessed, I've been unofficially assessed. <laughs> I've been unofficially assessed. And based on the unofficial assessment, um, I have a high likelihood of having Asperger's <laughs> and undeniable ADHD. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, I believe that. And so that would really, really throw me for a loop every day of my life. Every day of my life. Like, I know I'm going to be socially awkward. So at the very least, I can't give you anything to criticize about my aesthetics. And people who were in my environment, they totally assumed that I was just this like really polished thing, right? Really polished. And I'm just like really snooty. Snooty? How am I snooty? People used to think that I was really stuck up, unapproachable, because I don't talk. I don't know. People would think I was unapproachable because I brushed my hair, did my makeup, put on a cute little outfit, and didn't talk. Yeah, so I was labeled as unapproachable. And then when people got to know me, some of the things that they would regularly say after someone gets to know me, oh my God, you're actually really sweet. What the fuck does that mean? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what, what does that mean? Did you think I was mean? They're like, no, we just really thought you were stuck up, that you were going to be a total bitch. Like, why would you say that? Oh, because you don't talk and look at you. What the fuck does that mean? Like, look at you. It took me many, many years to understand what that could potentially mean. I'm like, look at me like, do you think I'm ugly? <laughs> do you think I'm trollish? Is that what it is? You think I'm a troll? 
Is that what it is? Should I do? Did I? I didn't do my makeup right. Should I do for a different outfit? Is it my shoes? Is my shoes, huh? All of these things that you think is an issue, it's not even an issue. It's literally not even an issue. The issue is the mental shackles. You've bought into a program that was designed to make you feel like you're never enough, no matter where you are, no matter what you are, no matter how much you've achieved. It's not enough. I didn't realize I'm still to varying degrees in that same space. I had shared on a post yesterday and I shared in my class today. Yesterday, I, I finalized the decision that I was going to get off of a specific server that I, I was paying for a subscription service to store things and use this platform to, um, to do work stuff on. Right. And, um, I wanted to archive all the content. They don't let you do that on this server. And so you have to download everything individually. I started this server like end of 2018, beginning of 2019. I looked how many videos. 7,922. 7,000. 922 teaching videos, sound baths, meditations, group meditations. And I'm over here just a few days ago, like, I'm not that busy. <laughs> I'm not, I really don't do much all day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I have sessions and stuff and I do some work stuff, but it's really not that much. These videos are an average of 108 minutes each. Each. 108 times 7,922. How much of my life have I spent working in the past three years? I'm still completely delusional in regards to the gravity of how much I do. I like, <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, what? No, maybe that's 79.22. I know. No, it's not. It's not 79.22. It's not. And then comes this, what, what really got me, it's, it's not necessarily that I'm a workaholic that, that got me all up in my feels yesterday. It was this very clear realization, I'm still avoiding processing my life. I'm avoiding processing my life. That's what that is. You can't be that busy and be able to properly process your life. See, when I posted that and people were commenting and commenting, it was almost this thing of like, oh my gosh, girl, you need to take time for yourself. You give too much. And I'm like, but, but no, y'all, I'm not trying to get sympathy. It's this realization of like, ain't it a little bit hypocritical for me to be telling you guys that you need to process your life and I'm over here avoiding mine? Here's the thing. 
not long after I started my subscription to this private platform, my mother died. And I've just been working ever since. I literally work seven days a week. Literally from the time I wake up all the way until the time I have to go to sleep. I can't keep my eyes open anymore. I'm nonstop working or I'm doing things with my family. It doesn't matter if there's balance between work and family. There's a need for me to begin really, really accepting. I'm avoiding the processing of my life. I need to knock that shit off. If I'm going to become healthy within myself in the way that I encourage all of you to be healthy within yourselves, I need to be honest with myself about this. I need to be open about whatever this is and communicating it, sharing it, because this is something seriously, seriously profound. My son did the calculations and it comes out to something like 530 um, something like that days, consecutive days. So <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. And that doesn't include the private sessions that I do. That's just all teaching videos. So when I, when I realized this and it began to affect my perception of me, because I felt really badly, like, oh, I feel like I'm some sort of faker. Like I'm telling you guys this and I'm not even doing it myself. Oh my God. That's the first thing that popped in my head. And it's this thing of like, but girl, don't you also say that you're not perfect, that you're actively trying to allow yourself the time and the space to grow, to evolve as a person, as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, right? So how is that being fake? I had to ask myself this point blank last night. Girl, okay. Here, I can't even lie to you guys. Here's the real situation. I, I saw that number and then I was like, my eyes started to water and I was like, <gasps> and I was going to cry. And I was like, bitch, if you wasn't already sitting down, I would tell you to sit the fuck down. That's how the conversation went. And I was like, listen, listen, okay, hold yourself. <laughs> I went like this. If you're going to cry, just cry. Okay. We're not going to cuss ourselves out. If you're going to cry, just cry. But here's the thing. You need to have this conversation with yourself. You cannot use it as another excuse to shut the fuck down. I see where you're going with this, you know? Yeah. I had to talk to myself last night. And I had to be like, first and foremost, we're making a decision right here, right now. We are not shutting down over this realization, okay? Because what you're doing here is so important. And I, Michael goes, you need to live stream. I'm not live streaming this shit. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I'm not live streaming shit tonight. And he was just like, all right. What's happening is a moment of realization. When you go through moments of realization, you can do one of two things. Embrace that realization and allow it to carry you to the next part of your journey or start fist fighting it, get yourself hurt and be dragged. No matter what, you're going to the next part of your journey. You've just leveled up. 
the moment you realize something that you haven't been able to realize, your awareness has been expanded beyond its ability to retreat, to, to return back to its original shape and size. You're now forever changed. So no, I didn't end up crying because I finally got in control of myself and my perceptions. And I had to tell myself, I had to remind myself, the gravity of, of, of my work is not based on me forcing myself to be perfect. The gravity of my work is because in those moments of realization of lack, lack of accountability, lack of understanding, lack of acceptance, lack of self-love, whatever it is that's lacking, I hold myself accountable and I make different choices. And being able to share that with you, it helps to empower you empower you to understand the goal is not to be perfect. The goal is to embrace the perfection of your life as it is, because everything that you experience, it takes you to that next level. It takes you to that next part of your journey. Yeah, it did hurt my feelings. It did. It hurt my feelings a lot. And I felt like I was being very inauthentic and, you know, all of these different things. And I was like, but are you really, Emmy? Are you really? Are you really all of these things that you're accusing yourself of? Or is it just easier for you to use up your energy to attack yourself rather than utilize that energy and focus in a very specific way, a way that will help you fall deeper in love with yourself? The more I spoke to myself trying to download all these hot diggity dang videos, um, I began to, like, my perception shifted. It went from, you are such a fake B-I-T-C-H, <laughs> telling people to be present. Look at you, Miss Avoider. I was just talking magic to myself. <laughs> And, you know, it shifted from that to like, oh, my gosh, I remember this workshop. <gasps> wow. Really? In like three years, I've taught this many people. I've had this many hours of like, I'm, I'm so silly. You know, I ended up laughing because for quite some time, I was in this big hubbub, this hullabaloo of, I am not a teacher, bitch, <laughs> bitch, I'm just saying, stop lying, you know, <laughs> no, I'm absolutely, I, mm, I'm a spiritual professor, not just a teacher. I have to accept that. One of the most beautiful things about me is one of the things that I just don't want to accept. See, some people are like, hey, what do you think is beautiful about you? Name something beautiful about you. And they'd be like, oh, my hair is beautiful. Or my eyes. I love my eyes. I'm over here like, well, I'm kind of quirky. I like that. I also, <laughs> I also like, like, I can help people to understand things in a way that really no one else can. I'm told that often. Like there's a way that you explain things 
that just make it so easy to understand that, you know, you're the only one that can explain things to me. And it's this thing of just really allowing myself to fall in love with who I am. I've fallen in love with the parts that were easy to love. The other parts, the parts that are not valued by society, because really the kind of things that I teach, surface level, seems hokey pokey. <laughs> it seems very, you know, just like, very like, you know, crystals and, you know. <laughs> but anyone who's taken any of my classes, any of my workshops, The work that I do is so far from hokey pokey. So far beyond hokey pokey. So far beyond that science in its totality will still need several generations before it can catch up. Before it can even quantify the gravity of what I do right now. Hmm. That's massive for me to be able to say that out loud. That's massive. Massive. It's just over the summer that asked by my, my doctor, what do you do for work? They wanted to know if, if you know, they needed to write me <laughs> a disability note because my doctor's like, you're, you're messed up. You're really fucked up right now. <laughs> She's former military and she said that. You're really fucked up right now. <laughs> You're in a really fucked up state. <laughs> Thanks, yo. <laughs> I love her though. Yeah, no, she she literally via video session told me I, I was really fucked up. I have PTSD. I developed PTSD. And um, she says, you're fucked up like my veterans who have PTSD. You have combat level PTSD. I'm like, what? I don't know why, because I'm a, I'm an overachiever, right? And I'm like, well, shit. That's how you do. You know, it's not just like run of the mill. <laughs> it's not run of the mill PTSD. I got like combat PTSD. And then I was like, what the? That's not something to be proud of. I'm an overachiever. Aim for the sky. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. So I couldn't even, I couldn't even tell her. I didn't lie, but I didn't tell her the large bulk of the basis of my work. What am I going to tell her? I'm a subatomic attunement engineer, light architect. And then she's going to ask me, what does that mean? Well, I attune morphogenetic templates. <laughs> I repattern standing scalar waves and reset the angular rotation of the fission fusion product in Partikai. She's going to be like, what are you talking about? So what did I tell her? I'm a public speaker. I do life coaching. I couldn't say anything else outside of that. Crazy, right? <laughs> it's crazy. Like if I really quantify it, 
some of my patients are doctors. I've been referred to some of my clients by their neurologists. Yet I'm over here. I can't say it to other people. I can't tell them what I do. I can't tell them that, you know, when people ask me, what do you do for work? I have highly developed ability to bilocate and I am a medical intuitive. I also do exorcisms. <laughs> you know, like, how do you tell people that? You can't. Why can't I? Because part of me still exists with that mental shackle. I'm Catholic, baptized and confirmed, going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm Catholic. I'm not allowed to exist according to my religion, according to the way I was raised, according to the programming of a large portion of my ethnic people. I'm not allowed to exist. That's a heavy weight to carry, isn't it? Right? To carry the weight of the oppression of your entire people. It's pretty heavy. That's a lot to be asking for someone my height. <laughs> and yeah, I make jokes out of a lot of things because I mean, what's the other option? The type of oppression, suppression, depression that empaths and Pisceans go through because society says you're not allowed to exist. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. We need to remove the stigma of mental health. We do. We do. There's nothing wrong with struggling. See, the way I view the world, the way I perceive the human condition, it's so different than the way humans perceive it themselves. The way other humans perceive it themselves. Michael says, you stated that as though you're not part of the human group. I'm sorry, the way other humans, because I'm part of the humans, right? I'm human. Um, the way other humans see themselves, see the world. I see mental health as something that kind of gives you an idea of where you're at within your spiritual journey. What I mean by this is specifically the more evolved you become, the more your awareness of your divine consciousness um, is expanded, the more that awareness is expanded, the harder it will be to continue to participate in the programs that are running right now in the world that we live in. The harder it is to work that nine to five for someone else, the harder it is to continue to live in a way that has no substance, no purpose, no meaning, where you are simply 
living in order to make enough money to be given permission to live. And it's not even living, it's existing. That becomes painful. If you want to have a better idea of my personal stance on mental health, on dark night of the soul, on shadow work, inner child work, all of that really, really nitty gritty, rough, real and raw portion of this spiritual journey that you're on. Get yourself familiar with the work of Dr. Dabrowski. Positive disintegration. Positive disintegration. The work that he has done. Mm, mm, mm. See, we live in a world that expects you to be mediocre. Anything beyond that, it's a handicap. Anything less than that, it's a handicap. But here's the thing. If it's less than mediocre, average, you'll get assistance. If it's more than, well, you need to just figure it out. Are you aware that if you have a profoundly gifted child, you're less likely to get the proper advocacy, advocacy support, parental support, student support than you would if your child was on the opposing end of the spectrum? They're both handicapped. But a child on the other end of the spectrum will be more likely to be able to receive the assistance that they need. It's not fair. Both are children. Both need help. Both need advocacy. One of my kids was kind of... See, here's the thing. My, my kid wouldn't act up in school. Plus, we homeschool. <laughs> wouldn't act up in school, right? But he was struggling through certain things, developmental things. It's hard to read social cues. I couldn't teach him that because I don't read social cues very well. Uh, it just goes over my head. I don't know when it's my turn to speak, when it's my turn to be quiet. I don't know any of that. I don't know when I've made you uncomfortable. I'm just uncomfortable the whole time. It's just really, you know, I, I don't know how to teach him that. And so it became this thing where he's still a toddler and I can tell like, okay, I don't know how to guide him through that type of social circumstance. And long story short, I was told, um, I think it was by his pediatrician. He's, his pediatrician at that time was ridiculously intelligent. And so um, I believe she was a member of Mensa and she would have conversations with him. She'd be like, what's up, little dude? <laughs> you know, what's up, little? And they would have these like really profound conversations. And, and then so she began telling me about certain things that I could check. And... Um, that's how I found the specialist who helps profoundly gifted children because basically he was invited by Stanford to attend Stanford, Stanford university when he was three, no joke. They sent us a letter. I think every year 
since then, they've been sending a letter every summer. We, we invite you to be part of the summer program. No, 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 no. Leave us alone. <laughs> yeah, no, but, um, and I wanted to get funding. I wanted to get funding. It's the, Stanford's not cheap. It's not cheap. And it's not like he was just going to go to preschool there. He like, they were going to be teaching really advanced things. And so I found out program after program after program, but I couldn't get the advocacy I needed, the help to advocate for him. Because guess what? The school system says he's perfectly fine. Like, I don't know why you're pushing him. But this is not so that I can brag to people. This is an opportunity for him to learn to the degree that he's capable of learning. Like, what are you talking about? And I remember um, the profoundly gifted specialist, because that's who we ended up getting referred to, a specialist for the profoundly gifted children. In order to be, in order to be categorized as profoundly gifted, I believe you have to score above an IQ of 145, right? And one of the specialists that we got paired with, um, she was like, after she talked to him, she's like, just in our conversation alone, um, they were talking for like 30 minutes, like a really profound conversation, right? He's climbing all over the furniture, but it's like a really profound conversation. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. Um, she said she guesstimates his IQ to be in excess of 180. 180. I don't know what that means. I was just like, well, what's the max? <laughs> what's the, I don't know what that means. Like, will that get us, you know, the help that we need? And what she was telling me is, you know, and she had, her eyes got teary and she, she basically said, what that means is you're less likely to get help. And I'm like, but why? Like, you can see, like, he, he needs, I need, <laughs> I need help to know how to properly guide, like, you know, like, to the best of my ability, I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to make sure he grows up very balanced, very healthy, a very productive adult. And um, she says, yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. But he's on the wrong end of the spectrum. And I didn't understand what she meant. And she said, the further you go towards that end of the spectrum, the more advanced a child, the less likely they will receive the type of assistance that a child on the opposing end of the spectrum would receive because people think like, well, he's smart, let him figure it out. And it's this thing of always having to overcompensate for all the things that are kind of lacking, the understanding that's lacking, you have to overcompensate for that. People are like, oh my gosh, I'm, you're so funny. Why? Why am I so funny? Because I had to overcompensate. If I'm making you laugh, then you won't understand that I'm, I'm actually experiencing social anxiety. You'll be too busy laughing to notice how much I'm struggling in your presence. You know how I realized this? Because the specialist told me. Because we were laughing. She's like, hey, he gets his intelligence from you. And I was like, what? And then she told me that. And then that's when I got quiet. And I was like, oh. Okay, now I understand what you're saying. She said, yeah. 
I'm sure no one's realized how much you've had to overcompensate your entire life. You're very good at it. It's very seamless. And I was like, you notice? And she goes, yeah. I notice you're, you're probably profoundly gifted as well. I was like, really? But I didn't even get into the gate program. And she laughed because my brother got into the gate program. <laughs> she laughed. She goes, let me guess. Were you the last one to finish your test? And I was like, yeah, I had finished it before everyone else. And I thought things were wrong. So I erased everything. And so I was going to start over again. And then I ran out of time and they took the test away from me. <laughs> I was like in third grade. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, no, that's typical. I was like, what do you mean typical? Your perfectionism. It's typical of someone who has a very elevated um, intellectual capability. And I was just like, oh. So I didn't mess up. <laughs> she goes, no, you didn't mess out on anything because by the looks of things, and, and she was looking at the setup that I had for homeschooling. She said, by the looks of things, I'm sure you were teaching yourself a lot, even at that age by yourself at home. And I was like, why do you say that? And then she just smiles. She goes, do you want to deny it? <laughs> no, it's, it's true. The moment I started reading, um, Sounds so nerdy. <laughs> From the moment I started reading, which is like, I think like in kindergarten or first grade, um, in summer times, I would read the encyclopedia to myself by myself. <laughs> and I was trying to memorize the whole encyclopedia. I did memorize a lot of it. I used to have a photographic memory. So I memorized a lot of it. And then I came across my mom's manuals for continuing continuing education since she was a NICU RN. And I y'all have no idea how much I know about high risk neonates. <laughs> yeah. I would go with her to her continuing education workshops. Um, I think she would have it like once a year or something like that. My most favorite one was when we had to go to Monterey. And for that one, they, they had it at the Sheraton Hotel. And um, part of the focus was on artificial insemination and the impacts on the high-risk neonate. But if it was going to increase... Um, potential like complications, mortality, things like that. I was taking notes. I think I want to say I was like in second or third grade. I was just like, oh my God, yes, <laughs> tell me more. Yeah. And it's, it's this thing of, it's okay for you to be who you are. It's okay for you to be challenged by your environment. Cause I, my mom be blunt. Okay. My mom is blunt. I distinctly remember like, because I was taking notes and everything. I was like, so focused. I don't know why I was taking notes. It was for self enrichment. <laughs> As like in second or third grade, something like that. And after that lecture was done, because we were there for several days, this group of ladies who were nurses, they came up to me and they're like, Oh my gosh, we just want to introduce ourselves to you. And I just looked at my mom like, did I do something bad? And my mom's like, say hi. <laughs> and so I said, hi. And they were like, where did you graduate? And I'm like, and my mom goes, oh, no. She's just like, no, 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 no. 
And they're like, you're like a little Doogie Hauser, right? Because that's when Doogie Hauser was <laughs> Doogie Hauser was popular then. And and I was like, no, I'm just here with my mom. <laughs> like, but you were taking notes. Yeah, I'm just here with my mom. <laughs> you know, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, I'm accustomed to. The things that I do really just being commonplace. That's how I grew up. You get straight A's. Well, you should get straight A's. How come it's not an A plus? And to me, it's like, it's just natural and normal and you need to excel. And I'm sure that's some sort of trauma response. I'm sure that that has some sort of pathology in it, but it's like, is it a disease? Is it dis-ease? I'm actually very comfortable. <laughs> I'm very comfortable with how my brain functions. So it's not pathology. It's not a disease. It's this insatiable curiosity, insatiable need to learn. It's insatiable. I'll never be satisfied. I'll always want to learn. And that's okay. I need to accept that about myself just like I need to accept I'm really good at teaching. Teaching what? Whatever it is you need to learn. Even if I don't know it, I will learn it just to help you learn it. Because that's how my brain functions. It's not a disease. There are things about you that the world, the people in your life, doctors, specialists, whoever has convinced you is some sort of pathology, a disease, a misfunction, malfunction, whatever you want to call it. I have ADHD. Is that pathology? No. It's a superpower to me. How so? Well, I can get a lot of shit done real fast. I can do multiple things at one time. But you can't break my focus. You can't talk to me. <laughs> That's the only thing. Okay? Don't interrupt my process or it's gone. If I have to get something done, I can hyperfixate to the degree that I can get it done a lot faster than the average person, a lot faster than someone who's a specialist in that field. I can hyperfixate to the degree that I can teach myself computer programs in order to get work done by myself. I thought everyone could do this. It wasn't until my husband's friend years ago was like, dude, <laughs> amazingly talented graphic designer, web designer, and uh, photographer. He was just like, amazing. So my husband's friend and his company used to book me as their makeup artist and sometimes photographer. And um, they would do commercials for commercial clients and things like that. And he was into photography, and so sometimes he would talk photography with me. He was just kind of floored that I taught myself how to shoot with a DSLR. I'd never taken any classes, never read any books, but I figured it out. You can't ask me the techni technical terms. Oh, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I just know when you turn this little knob, you can adjust things. <laughs> You can adjust things. And if you can adjust it in such a way and you work with strobes, 
you can make some really gorgeous stuff. And then there was some pictures that weren't so gorgeous and I wanted it fixed. So my husband got me Photoshop. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be able to learn that very easily. I didn't know. So I taught myself how to do Photoshop within a, f a few days. And after a few weeks, I began booking post-production work for publications. And then my husband told his friend and his friend was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I was like, it's, it's hard. You're not supposed to be able to do that. <laughs> I looked at my husband like, you didn't tell me that. It's like, I'm not supposed to. <laughs> I don't know. Why am I limitless? Because I spent most of my childhood by myself. And so I didn't have someone outside of me to tell me what my limits are. So I have no limits. Mm -hmm. You pair that with my attitude. I'm rebellious AF. You give me something to fight against. I will. You tell me I can't do something. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to show you I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it. Like, what are you doing? Just watch. Leave me alone. You can watch though. I'm going to do exactly what you told me I couldn't do. But you don't know how. Don't worry. I'll learn. There's nothing that you can't learn now by yourself on your own. There's nothing. You can learn anything you want. This is the information age. My son, who is a successful producer, music producer who has worked with some big names, he taught himself how to become a sound engineer at 13. <laughs> at 13. How so? edX dot what dot gov dot edu, whatever it is, edX. You can take classes for free there. It's completely online. It's called auditing. You can audit these programs that are hosted by Ivy League colleges. There was one that popped up, cybersecurity, I think, by MIT. I'm signing up for that bitch. <laughs> it's free or you can pay, I think it's like $100, $120 to be certified. It's just a mastery course. Uh, you got to do all the work, obviously, turn in all the assignments. And if you score more than what the minimum requirement is, you've technically mastered it. And then they'll verify that if you have an employer or whoever that wants verification that you have successfully mastered the content, they'll verify it. They'll vouch for you. I'm about to learn cybersecurity from MIT. <laughs> just for shits and giggles. For shits and giggles. That's all. I just, I've, I've heard too many things about too many different things that I want to know what these things are. And that's all. Card number 17, the star, look to the future with hope and optimism, the power of faith to move mountains, happy changes that bring relief from challenging times. You're going to be challenged. Absolutely. You're going to be challenged. Rise to it. Rise to it. I mean, you have two primary options. 
two secondary options. What are the primary? Well, primary, rise to it, rise to the challenge, or bury yourself deeper. Both are valid. Both are valid. Secondary options, you can go in horizontal direction. Those are your options. I mean, there's also tertiary, which is vertical, but I mean, who cares? <laughs> who cares? No matter what, you're going to need to move. Notice how I'm saying every other direction except staying that same spot. Rise to the challenge. Whatever the challenge is, rise to it. Six of autumn, the good you do comes back to you. I love that. It's not always the same person that you do good for that you get back from. But it's this thing of, I do so much good in the world. And I can say this knowing that I, I, I am not lying at all. I'm not even exaggerating. I do so much good in this world just because I'm a good person. And I know one day when I'm depleted, one day when I feel like, you know, I don't have anything left in me to even give myself, some of that good will return back to me might not be from the people I've done good for in the past. And it's not this expectation. It's this understanding and acceptance. There's a difference. I don't do good with this expectation of people will have to do good for me. No, it's this complete knowing of, you know what? My soul has never let me down. I'm going to do good right now because I, I feel it in my heart. I feel like this is what I need to do. You don't have to pay me back. You don't have to say thank you. To, no, this is for me. I'm helping because I want to. I feel it in my heart. And maybe one day there'll be a situation where I'm going to need help. AKA a reminder that I'm not alone in this journey, that there are other souls just like me who do things because they're good people. And that type of person is going to cross my path and they're going to remind me goodness still exists. I'm supported. That creation did not bring me to this shithole of a planet. <laughs> creation did not strand me on this shithole of a planet all by myself. There are still people who are very good, very full of integrity, and reflections of the most beautiful parts of my heart. You are not alone in this journey, this planet, whatever you want to call it. You are not alone. There are people just like you who are good, who want to help just because, because it's, it feels right to help. When you let that trust issue become an actual issue, and when is that? When is a trust issue an actual issue? When you use that knowing of how people's behaviors have ended up in the past, when you use that knowing to prevent you, to block you from receiving. This is what I've learned. I used to feel like I couldn't ever let myself receive from anyone, right? I'm still working on it. It's still hard. Because in the past, I've had people like, well, I've done this, this, and this for you. Now you owe me. What have I learned? Now, if you say that to me, if you do something for me and you say that to me later on, because now you want payment, for what you did for me in the past. And usually I didn't even ask for help. You're usually just volunteering it, right? That's, that's what I've experienced. And then later on, they're trying to hold it over my head. You know what I say? Just point blank. 
Oh, that's unfortunate. Had I known that that's what your intention was, I would have never accepted your help because that's kind of like prepayment. Had I known it was a prepayment, I, I, I would not have accepted it. But thank you so much for helping me then. But I'm still going to have to decline this, this, you know, whatever it is that they're trying to get me to do. Just being up, up front with it, like, oh, I, I wish you had told me then because I totally wouldn't have accepted the offer. You know, I, I just, I didn't want to be rude and be like, are you sure you're not just prepaying for something later? Yeah. And usually people, they don't have anything to say back after that. Because that's the reality of it. That's the truth. Had I known you were just prepaying for something later on without telling me what you were going to have me do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. No. I am still grateful for the help that you offered then. But now I'm realizing that actually wasn't help. That was prepayment for services that would later be uh, <laughs> rendered because you apparently prepaid for something that I didn't agree to. I'm realizing in those situations, no, that's not me being ungrateful. That's me repaying in a way they didn't expect. They allowed me, they helped me to learn how to receive. In the type of situation that I just shared, I now am returning the favor by helping them to understand you cannot prepay for people in that way. You have to be upfront in your expectations. You have to be honest and integrity filled in what it is you do. So that's what I'm learning to do now. I've been working on it for a couple of years. This response of, oh, I'm so sorry. Had I known when you were making the offer, I, I wish you had told me simply because I, I probably wouldn't have accepted the offer, the help, had I known what you were going to ask me to do later. I'm very sorry. I know you must be disappointed, but yeah, I'm going to have to say no. No, but I'm still grateful that you helped. They get mad. They can be mad. It's okay. Sometimes part of that learning is releasing emotions. It's okay for you to release emotions. I'm not going to take it personally because I didn't do anything to you. I didn't. You know, I didn't. That wasn't something that was pre-planned on my part where it's like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. I'll totally bend over backwards. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, yeah, all you have to do is like, you know, help me, a.k.a. pay in advance and I'll totally do whatever you want later. That's not how it works. Six of autumn, the good you do comes back to you, an unexpected inflow of money, borrowing wisely or repaying a debt. Be careful of who you allow to borrow your energy and your time. Okay? Be careful. Just allow yourself to really use discernment to see what it is you need to see uh, from other people, from yourself. Um, oh, I have brand new deck. Hold on. Let, let me pull some Kali cards. I'll pull two cards from Kali and then I'm going to call it a night because uh, I, I need to <laughs> because I need to. Um, all right. 
Yeah, upfront honesty is in short supply, to be honest. She said it, hmm, just commented that upfront honesty is in short supply. Yeah, um, it depends on the type of environment that you cultivate, though. It used to be in very short supply for me because I, I was personally um, and inadvertently creating an environment that didn't require upfront honesty. I made the mistake of letting people get comfortable with that. And it became part of the dynamic that I established with them. So now I'm learning the, the, the dynamic that I established with people right up from the start is not going to involve that. Like if you're going to do things, say things, all of that, that make me feel as though you're dishonest or you withhold information that is crucial for my decision making, I'm just not going to interact with you. You know, um, and it's okay for me to have that stance because I have an obligation to myself before everyone else. See, here's the thing. When you think your obligation is to everyone else first, what happens when you're finally depleted and you can't do for yourself? Now you've become someone else's problem. Let that sink in. Take a sip from that cup of truth. It's steaming hot. Let that sink in. I finally understood. I overdo, I overdo, I overdo for whoever I can overdo for. My husband's very patient with it. Very, very patient. We have a very similar heart in that way where we just want to help. You know, we want to help other people. And if I do too much and I get injured, back gives out. What happens? The person that I love the most is the one that's most negatively affected. He has to pick up all that slack. I have to love him in a way where I'd never put him in that situation again. Where I'm not overextending myself to the degree that now he has to carry extra because I gave away too much. No, no more. I'll still be a giver. I'll still be a lover. I'll still be someone who empowers you, protects you, encourages you, all of that good th stuff. But never at the cost that has to be paid by the person I love the most. Not again. Never again. Never again. I need to make sure I take care of me so that I don't become another heavy thing for him to carry. Never again. That doesn't mean I'm not giving anymore. It means I'm learning limitations that I set for myself, that I create because it needs to be created. All right. <clears throat> There it goes. I totally treated you guys like my toddlers. Here it goes. You ready? <laughs> you ready? Here it goes. 
Oh my gosh. I used to read books to my toddlers at the library. <laughs> and I'm super animated when I read the books to them. And so all the kids would come and, and they would <laughs> they'd think it was like reading hour or something. My poor kids. <laughs> They've had to share me with so many other children for so long. <laughs> all right. Card number 32. This was pulled out um, in a re recent reading as well. Kalaratri. She appears beneath a cloak of night, revealing the truths that must be known to set the heart free. She offers you an opportunity to engage in a profound and enduring transformation. This will lead to a powerful rebirth from even, oh, free from even the most persistent patterns or pains of your past. Your soul is in deep healing. Re recovery can be painful, but that pain is temporary and you will emerge renewed and released. In time, you will reach your rising destiny from an entirely new and improved inner foundation. You're blessed to experience a new life within this lifetime. The goddess Kalaratri appeared when a war warrior violated the rules of law and violently assaulted enemy troops resting under cover of night. She appeared in terrible form, making sounds that expressed her horror at the suffering taking place. This is the weeping and wailing Black Madonna, no matter how people try to cover up what's happening, glossing over things with cleverly manipulative words. She is the truth witnessed and laid bare. For those who have been cajoled or coerced to deny their intuition and authentic experience, Kalaratri breaks through and the crazy making, oh, breaks through the crazy making and brings us into the truth of what is happening. She brings relief of truth, even when it's difficult to bear. She breaks open toxic systems and reveals deceptive behaviors. There's a lot of deception going on right now. A lot. That's all I can say on a public live. Okay. She breaks open toxic systems and reveals deceptive behaviors. In unmasking the terror of what has happened or is still happening, we become able to disconnect from sources of a-B-U-S-E, so we can begin to heal the trauma. That which is not acknowledged can never heal, but is doomed to be repeated. The acknowledgement of Kalaratri is not an intellectual understanding, but a bone-deep agony of release. It's like pulling the thorn out of the lion's paw. It hurts, but is the way that leads to healing rather than the hurt that would come from trying to ignore the thorn and dealing with increasingly negative consequences. See, that's the thing. When, when you don't allow yourself to really acknowledge what needs to be acknowledged in your life, you're still going to feel pain. Just because you're able to ignore doesn't mean it doesn't have some type of... Um, negative aspect to it. I ignored for so long how much I've been avoiding the processing of my life since 2019. 
I've ignored it since 2019. Now I'm going to have to deal with that. It's been a very emotionally raw day. Um, and I'm going to have to deal with that. Not this mindset of that's what I get. That's what I deserve. I did it to myself. No, I'm going to have to face what I did not want to face for several years. I've allowed it to fester. And just like um, a garden that you have intended to for three years, there's going to be a lot of weeds that need to be cut down, a lot of bushes that need to be trimmed, uh, just a lot of different things that need to be tended to. And that's that. Okay. It's going to take a lot of work. I'm probably going to be sore by the end of it. Um, that's okay. That's okay. I have to allow myself to finally face the things that I didn't have the courage to face before. Enough of my life has happened. I have experienced enough from that point till now that I have developed enough maturity to be able to face whatever I need to face, even if I'm scared. Even if I'm scared, it's okay. I can still face it. Whatever you're scared of, that's what you're supposed to face. Not just to look it in the eyes but to assess what the actual need is. The bear does not come to your cabin just to say hello. There's a need and there's this whatever potentiality that it senses in the cabin that might potentially fulfill that need. Whatever it is you're facing, it's something that needs your attention. Just like the bear not going to your cabin just to say hi. This is not surfacing just to say hi, just to remind you of the traumas you've lived. It's surfacing because it needs to be addressed at this point. It needs to be addressed. It needs to be allowed to be released. It needs to be cleansed. It needs to be bandaged up. It needs to be whatever it needs. So here's, here's something that I do want to share. We live in societies that are run by allopathic medicine. Sorry. Allopathic medicine is the end-all, be-all modern medicine, right? Here's the thing. The way allopathic medicine works, it's a trauma treatment. It's perfect for things that are trauma based. You've nearly severed your finger, go in. They can help you. They can save that digit. You had a massive heart attack, go in. That's what they're for. You need a surgery, go in. That's what they're for. Healthcare? No, you're at the wrong place. <laughs> you're just, you're literally at the wrong place. That's not, that's not where you go. Why? Look at all the treatments you get from your doctors. Are they addressing what's wrong? Or are they practicing symptom abatement? Pain management? I mean, I don't know if they've figured it out yet. 
But way back when, five years ago, 10 years ago, when it was still a major issue for my family, they didn't even have any definitive way to diagnose hyperpermeable bowel. You know what hyperpermeable bowel is? Leaky gut. They don't recognize that. Yet it exists. They would rather pump you full of medications and steroids to suppress the body's symptomatic presentation. These symptoms are presenting because there's an issue going on. Your body's letting you know. Instead, they would rather suppress that. I was told I have degenerated discs in my back, multiple. And I was told it's because you're too heavy. Okay. I lost a lot of weight. I lost over 100 pounds. Oh, it's, it's because, because you were too heavy before. But I'm not now. What's your answer now? Oh, you need surgery. No, I don't. You're not going to fuse my vertebrae. You're not going to fuse my vertebrae. No. Why do I not have those issues anymore? Because I began to seek out the root causation. What was the root of it? Emotion. Mental health, rejection of self, the part of me that was injured, it had to do with my psoas muscle. Do some reading. The muscle is spelled P-S-O-A-S, psoas muscle. That has a very powerful connection with your spiritual journey. Not long after that, my knees hurt real bad. They told me I needed double total knee replacement at like 26 years old. That I wouldn't be able to walk after a year. By the end of that year, that's what they said. That has to do with the rejection of self. You have knee pain. You don't feel supported in your spiritual journey. You're not supporting yourself. You're hurting yourself. You're rejecting yourself. 26 years old, they said I would need total knee replacement for both my knees. I worked on the root causations. The way I perceive myself, the way I live my life, the way I punish myself for existing. Twenty-six years old, I was supposed to be able to no longer walk by the end of that year. Didn't listen to the surgeon. Didn't get any surgeries on my knees. And you know what? I became so empowered with the way I shifted my perception because of that. Over 40 years old, I was able to leg press. 505 pounds, 505 pounds. I began to listen to my body. 
I began to have a relationship with myself. I allowed the challenges that were testing me and my perception of my worth, my capability, all of that. I allowed those challenges to bring me to the place within myself and my truth that helped me to finally accept and understand the truth of me. People who are like me, people who continue to bend over backwards, we're so accustomed to all the different emotions and mental things that go on as we do this for other people. We're constantly trying to cater. We're carrying heavy weight. We're carrying people. So we tend to be curved in. You tend to have bad posture. Because of that curling in, because you're protecting yourself, you're hiding yourself, you're carrying things. Your posterior chain gets degraded. Your entire back, your hamstrings, your calves, all of that. And if you're like me, if you struggle with finding the balance between spiritual and human, oftentimes you don't even realize. You clench your ass cheeks. Why? Because you're holding on so tight, you've got to balance it all. About two years ago, people thought that I was on this mission to grow a donk. <laughs> At least a mini donk. See, that's the thing. I wasn't trying to grow my butt with workouts for aesthetics. This is a reason why I was working so heavily on my posterior chain. I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. I could feel my back starting to give out again. So what did I do? Did I allow myself to crumble under the weight of that? No. As heavy as my emotions felt, I'm going to lift heavier. And every day, I lifted heavier and heavier and heavier. Every day, every workout, I was clearing the entire rack. Working on my hip flexors, I'd clear the entire rack. Literally. The entire thing. I was deadlifting heavy ass weight and people don't believe it like there's no way you could have lifted any of that <laughs> i have the logs why would i lie why would i lie at the height of my workout remember what i just said as heavy as the emotions are i would lift heavier right the height of my workout, I was averaging over 100,000 pounds lifted in that workout. That's how heavy life became. And in response to the heaviness of life, I made my body strong. But then what happened? Something became misaligned. 
Okay, misaligned. Old things pop back in. Coping mechanisms, things that really compromise my stability, my internal stability. I stopped listening to my body. I injured myself. I knew I couldn't lift that weight. I fucking forced it. I forced it. I fuck it. I know I tore one of my ligaments. I know I did. I can feel it. I screwed myself. Because then it became this thing of ego rather than a beautiful synergistic thing between the physicality and the soul. I screwed myself. Body hasn't recovered yet. It's okay. I have to be patient. I have an entire home gym. I haven't worked out in months. Frustrated. Why? Girl, just go, go. It's already at your house. Just work out. Yeah, literally. Every time I'm like, okay, I'm going to go work out right now. I'm going to the room. I'm going to go work out. Every time I do that, have that thought, like this is today's a day. No excuses. I dislocate my knee again. Why? Because I haven't learned something I need to learn before I can start working out again. I cannot rush this process. I have to allow myself to unfold in the most beautifully gentle way. The way that flowers unfold with no rushing, no pressure, no guilt. It just unfolds. I got very distracted by something. I don't know what yet. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what it is. I don't know what I'm supposed to learn. I just know right now I cannot work out. I cannot work out. I have to be okay with where I'm at. I have to. I cannot just be all one thing or all another thing. I have to be okay with where I'm at right now. And I am. That's what I choose. That's what I choose. I choose this process. What's this process? I don't know. Well, how can you choose it? Because I trust myself. I'll go through my seasons. I'll develop at the times I'm meant to. I'll go quiet and dormant the times I'm meant to. Both are valid. Both grow me. Are you aware that if you leave a grow light on 24 hours a day, you stress the plant? Unless they naturally grow in an environment where it's sunlight 24 hours a day, you're stressing that plant out. You're making it unhealthy. You can't be always go, go, go. You can't let the people in your life who make you feel like being quiet and sitting still 
is wrong or bad or you're lacking or you're behind. No, they need to leave you alone. Those are people who are trying to feign being a farmer and they're not. They're not just because they were able to grow one plant in one pot. <laughs> doesn't make you a farmer. It just doesn't. I have maybe like, I don't know, 60, 70 plants at this point. I have an entire like veggie patch. <laughs> indoors and outdoors right now. I'm still not a farmer. I understand the limitations of what I know. I need to learn more. And that's where I'm at. I need to learn more. As much as I know, I don't know enough yet. I might not ever know enough. But that's not my problem. I just need to focus on making sure that I have the space and the focus to grow in the way that I'm meant to. Some people will be brought into your life to help give you that focus. Some people will be brought into your life to distract you so you can choose to focus. All of that is you. It grows you, no one else. That's the only thing you need to be concerned about, your growth. And if, you know, if it's this thing of like, you feel like you have to save someone because like, I don't know, you think they're a good person or you're, you're using that as an excuse. I hate to say it. You're using that person as an excuse to keep you chained to the same situation that is so slowly killing you inside. Would you torture someone? Ask yourself that question. Do you have it in you to torture someone? Because when you continue to choose to make other people your priority, despite the fact that you're dying inside, that's what you're choosing. And if you wouldn't do it to someone else, you better not fucking do it to yourself. I used to think I was separate from humanity because I've never felt like I felt I, I fit in. I've never felt like I fit in. Now I do with you guys. But up until then, I've never fit into any group. I've been welcomed by a lot of groups. But I'm very painfully aware that I don't belong there. That I'm not one of them. So what did I need to do? Allow myself to create an environment that I feel comfortable in. And then allow myself to invite all of you in. Have no fear of what you'll see. None. I'm not afraid of you seeing me be a real person. I'm not afraid of you seeing me be awkward. I'm not afraid of any of that. Not anymore. I don't need to put on a show. I don't need to have a list of things I need to talk about. I don't need to have any of that. I just need to allow you to share space with me and see me being the person that I am. 
And if I've inspired you in, in any sort of way, please just think about that. Think about the effects that I've had on you. If I've had positive, beneficial effects, think about the gravity of that effect on you in your life. Just because I found the courage to let you see me be me. Imagine. What if there's someone in this world waiting for you to find the courage to let them see you be you? And maybe that's all this world actually needs. Scars into stars. Did you Google that? <laughs> you speak Tagalog? You're not bullheaded. You're just growing. That's it. You don't need to apologize about anything. You really, really don't. You guys don't have to apologize for being in your process. When you've been immersed your entire life, in an environment that doesn't give you permission to be who you are. Sometimes it becomes this thing of, you know, you feel like you have to apologize for being you and this is not the place. You don't have to apologize for being who you are. Not here. Not here. You guys never have to agree with me. You're never obligated to agree just so that I don't get my feelings hurt. You're allowed to be bullheaded. It's not being bullheaded. It's figuring out your boundaries. It's figuring out what you believe. And to be allowed to be a part of that process as you go through it, such a vulnerable place, so sacred in its vulnerability, that's an honor to me. That's not an inconvenience. That's not a form of disrespect. Not at all. As a matter of fact, I see it quite the opposite. That's like the greatest validation and, and it's humbling. The fact that you can disagree with me so passionately, even if you don't verbalize it, yet you still continue to join me. You still continue to share space with me and allow yourself to hear some of the things that I say the fact that you don't see what I see, but you choose to try and understand. That's powerful. That's an honor. Honestly, that's an honor. It's very humbling to know that you could regard me in that way where we don't agree. We don't see the same thing. But you still value my input. You value it enough to be able to choose to share space with me. And on your end, that's evidence of your growth, your maturity, your sovereignty. You have all these spiritual people talking about sovereignty and how they're a sovereign, they're a sovereign, they're a sovereign. Yet they don't allow other people to have differing views. Like they can't be a sovereign because they don't agree with what I say. And, you know, I meditate and you don't meditate. So you're not a sovereign. Nope. 
that root of sovereignty. In order for you to be a sovereign, you have to see everyone else as a sovereign too. Otherwise, you're just a dick potato. <laughs> a dictator. <laughs> okay. Don't be a penis potato. <laughs> if you're claiming to be a sovereign and you cannot protect and uphold and honor someone else's sovereignty just because they don't agree with you, you are not a sovereign. You're literally a penis potato, a dictator. And if that's what you want to be, if that's your goal in life, by all means, but I'm not down with that. I'm just not. So scars into stars. I hope you see how much you're growing because you choose to grow, not because of me, but because you choose to grow. And just in your interactions with me, I see so much evidence, so much evidence of your developing sovereignty. It's beautiful. It's very, very beautiful. You guys are all cherished very much so. Each of you hold a very specific space within my journey, within my heart. You guys grow me in ways that you probably don't even realize. <laughs> you probably don't even realize, and it's okay. It's okay. As long as we can continue to share space, cherish each other, encourage each other, and empower each other. I mean, what more could you ask for? What more could you ask for? I can think of one thing. I could ask for the whole world to be like this. <laughs> like this space that we share. Where we can disagree and still be unified. Yeah. What more could I ask for? I could ask for that. Absolutely. We'll get there. One live stream at a time. That's fine with me. We'll get there. We're already almost. We're already almost there. That's why things are becoming very difficult. It's always right before the blessing arrives that you experience the greatest amount of adversity. Someone asked me years ago, as my life was falling apart, <laughs> I was having an implosion and someone asked me how can you still live stream <laughs> like oh my gosh how can you still do all of this stuff and help so many people and all of these people are doing all of these horrible things to you and I'm like you know just trust it like, how could you trust it? This is horrible. Emmy, you have to get upset. You have to do something. I'm like, why? Why not? Well, because I've learned. Whenever my life gets difficult like this, like to this degree, girl, that means something is about to shift. And all I have to do is breathe. Breathe and be present promise you just watch just watch and you'll see and i kid you not i kid you not a couple days later boom there it is and they're like holy crap 
No. It's not holy crap. I told you. Every single time this is what happens. When things get real bad, something really beautiful is just around the corner. The worse it is, the greater it'll be. I promise you that. The worse it is, the greater it will be when it arrives. Creation is about balance. The farther you go into the polarity of suffering, struggle, the farther you'll be launched in the opposite direction. Success, internal peace, prosperity, abundance in all its positive forms. I'll leave you guys with this. This evidence of my theory. I was doing really well on Facebook. That's where I initially built my audience, right? But it was just an audience. It's just an audience. I was doing really well, though. Had a pretty substantial reach. We're all organic. Then my life imploded. <laughs> it imploded. No biggie. Just a lot of things that I was counting on to be present forever. Became painfully aware that my time with it was done. And part of that implosion had the people who were the closest to me literally go out of their way to try and destroy my business. Try and shut down my Facebook profiles, Facebook page. Their goal was to take my audience from me. Didn't break me. It made me sad that people that I once loved and respected were something other than what I chose to see. That made me sad. It did. But here's the thing. I wasn't worried. Why? Why was I not worried? Whatever you take from me, I'll let you have it. Because it wasn't for me anymore. It needed to be cleared out. Because my life is giving me something better. Something that's more worthy of me. So I made the decision, I'm leaving Facebook. Not because I was bullied, not because I was betrayed, but because you want it so bad, keep it. I'm ready to receive something better. And you know what happened? You guys. You guys. You guys happened. And because you guys happened, I blossom. Is there a loss? Yeah, my old life. 
a life where I felt like I had to apologize for existing and pay a price to be allowed to be present. A life where I felt like I had to overgive in order to be worthy of your presence. It was a huge price to pay, but one that was absolutely worth it. In the end, I lost a lot, but that huge loss created a huge opening for something so much better, so much better. And here's the most beautiful part. The ones who truly were genuine in that time that I was on Facebook, the ones who were truly, truly genuine Y'all are still here with me. <laughs> so what did I lose, really? May I be honest? All the motherfucking users. <laughs> That's what I lost. People who were simply taking up space, like baby birds stuffed in a nest, their mouths open, waiting to be fed. And some might say, damn, that's harsh. No, that's reality, baby boo. That's what I created. And that's what I had to let go of. Don't be scared. Don't be scared to leave your hand open and free creation to take out of your hand the things you no longer need to carry and put into your hands things that feel oh so good the things that make you feel like your home the things that make you see without a shadow of a doubt your existence is fucking powerful not only do you not have to apologize for existing not only do you not have to pay as in a, i'm sorry for being alive you're fucking celebrated you're allowed to be who you are and not just allowed, but like, we want to see more of you. This person that you are, this person that you're becoming, we like it. That's powerful. Again, it cost me my old life. A life I had already outgrown. It's time for the new me to be born. At some point, I'll outgrow this life as well. At some point, a new me will emerge. And that's going to be okay. You guys are still going to have space in my life. You're still going to be a part of it. So it's not a thing anymore of, well, what's going to happen if I grow? And then am I going to lose you guys too? No, that's not how my love works. That is not how I love people. And here's what you guys have shown me. That's also not how you love me either. I don't have to stay the same thing and stagnate just to appease you. You know why? You know why? 
because we're growing together. We're growing and changing together. How could I ever leave you behind if you're walking right beside me? I can't. I don't want to. Clearly, you don't want to either. So what's the problem? There is none. It's time for us to grow. Grow in whatever way your higher self is asking you to. It's time for us to let go of the things that your life is trying to ask you to let go of. Hold on to nothing, but throw nothing away. That's it. That was a message. Hold on to nothing, but throw nothing away. You'll figure it out. Whatever this test is, it's halfway done. This is so far beyond just Mercury. Mercury initiated it, that bitch-ass planet. I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to God, Mercury, you are my shit list at this point. You're not on my shit list. You are my shit list. <laughs> no, I'm joking, Mercury. <laughs> It's halfway done. It's halfway done. You've already made it halfway. Just a little bit more. It's just a little bit more. And then we'll be all the way done. And we'll be able to celebrate. We'll be able to laugh together and see all the beautiful, powerful things we did. All the stuff that we did, not realizing we were doing these things. <sighs> it's a beautiful life, even when it doesn't look or feel very beautiful. <sighs> it really, really is a very beautiful life. Rub the sleep from your eyes. You've been groggy, but you've never been asleep. We are an enlightened species. Just because we believe the lie didn't make it true. We've never been asleep. We are an enlightened species. Final thing I'll leave you with. When this planet was created, when life was being formed, Certain decisions were made. Our etheric genome, your spiritual DNA, it was hybridized with angelic. Your celestial and terrestrial all at the same time. Start living like the totality that you are. It's not all spiritual. It's not all human. You are that beautiful, beautiful, sweet spot centered between the two. Allow your intuition and your discernment to guide you 
which parts of you need to come forward? Is it the more spiritual part? Is it the more human part? Is it the peace? Is it the warrior? Let your intuition guide you. Let it. That's what it was made to do. Excuse me, no ego needs to be destroyed. It's a counterbalance for your intuition. Everything in beautiful time and measure makes for a beautiful life. Perfection as it's defined by society is bullshit. It's a lie. It's something to make you feel like you've you've accomplished nothing, that you're not enough, and all these other negative things, all of that's a bullshit lie. You're perfectly made. Even your attitude, perfectly made, so beautifully designed. Remember that and start living like it. I'm going to get going, guys. Please give this video a thumbs up. If you haven't already subscribed, please do subscribe. Turn on that notification bell. Join me when I'm live. If you're listening on the podcast, whatever platform you're at, please interact with the track. Follow it, like it, rate it, however it is. I don't know anything about podcasts. <laughs> I just know I load it when it's time. But please spread my words and my work as far and wide as possible. I'm ready to initiate a type of change the world hasn't seen in a very long time. Ooh, the feelings. <laughs> Ooh, I wasn't expecting to say that. It was too much truth for me right now. It is still my truth. I'm just the initiator. You're, you're the one that's going to carry it forward. As someone once told me back in the 90s, I'm a fire starter. <laughs> prodigy by prodigy. They say that that's my song. That I'm a fire starter. And that's okay. I do spark fires. Spiritual ones. I know that that's my role. If I can accept my role, I'm going to need you all to accept you're that inferno. I'm nothing without you. So we work together. Let's set this bitch on fire. <laughs> I'm going to get going, guys. I'll see y'all tomorrow. I'm going to be doing expedites tomorrow. In case you haven't seen yet, um, I do have the listing available on my website already, right? Um, so I'll be live tomorrow, Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to do energy work, to do personal readings. Now, the energy work, I've had a lot, a lot, a lot of people asking me about certain effects on their spiritual journeys, if they've had to do specific types of things in order to say, keep their jobs. Um, 
there is an expedite there that will greatly help with that. The energetic portion of that. It's the naughty repair um, activation. Okay. Um, it's towards the very bottom. But if that's something that has been of great concern for you, the whole effects of certain rules that are needing to be followed in order to keep working and how it affects your spiritual journey. Um, just look through the list of expedites. And if you're drawn to it, you're drawn to it. If you're not, then you probably don't need it. Okay. I'm totally not one to be like, oh, no, no, you totally need it. No, you probably don't. <laughs> you probably don't. Seriously. So it's called the Naughty Capsule. Um, Naughty's capsule replacement, I mean, repair and activation. That's what it's called. Um, it will be able to greatly help with the effects. Um, you should so use that song as your podcast intro. <laughs> I can't because then YouTube will demonetize me. I'm already, I'm still on shadow ban. You know, if, if like I say certain words that I know is like going to trigger another algorithm, I have to effing take the video down. <laughs> So it's just one of those things. Like, if you guys really want to hear the unedited, just full-on plateau, you have to join my Soul Sanctuary podcast membership. You have to. For those who were there for the, the last <laughs> Emmy exclusive live stream, y'all heard a lot of a lot of things come out my mouth. Um, you would have to join there. If you would like to join the website to sign up is thesoulsanctuary.love. Thesoulsanctuary.love. And you can sign up there. And I, I'm, I'm about to talk about a lot of different things. I got a lot of different messages that came in today. And I'm just, I'm, I'm too tired to process it and talk about it. That's the only reason I didn't go live today to talk about it, but I'm probably going to go live um, if I have time tomorrow, if not Monday. Um, there's some developments, serious developments that, that have kind of come into play. Um, and it goes from the financial sector all the way through military, everything, the whole shebang. It's like dominoes are falling into place and it's a positive thing, but also potentially adversarial thing. You want to hear me talk about that? You got to join <laughs> the soul sanctuary love. I got to get going from the deepest depths of my heart's oceans. I really deeply cherish and love you guys. I hope you know how much I do. I'll see you guys soon. Bye.